All right. Hey, let's get your Bible. Let's open it up uh, to the book of Acts. That's where we are. If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one at your seat. Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. Everybody in the house with an open Bible, open heart uh, to receive from God, okay? Acts chapter 4. Malala was born uh, in Pakistan during the time of the rule of the Taliban And because she was a girl, she was refused or forbidden an education. Now, fortunately for her, her dad, her father was an educator and he taught her at home. But as a rule, young girls and women in general were were not to be educated in that country. And uh, when she was 11 years old, she wrote an article to the BBC uh, kind of describing her plight, the situation there in the country to give national exposure that following summer there was a reporter from the New York Times that came and documented her story and she really became the face of of an international awareness of these countries where women are refused education because of her popularity growing uh, she became a um, I guess you could say she she came into the crosshairs of Taliban soldiers, and literally three years later, she was shot uh, coming off a bus by a Taliban soldier. Uh, She was able to survive and recovered and really began to lead an international movement uh, to provide education for all people. Um, Amazing thing, uh, she actually received, at the age of 21, received the Nobel Peace Prize, the youngest recipient of a Nobel Peace Prize uh, went to her. And uh, when I think of Malala, I think of uh, courage, I think of resiliency, but I think of another word, and that is the word boldness. I think of boldness. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word boldness. Uh, maybe it's a soldier charging onto the battlefield against all odds, or maybe it's a uh, athlete, you know, really uh, behind and just leading the way to victory, or maybe a politician or political figure uh, vying for freedom. Uh, whatever the case may be, uh, boldness is vital to anything that matters. You know, anything that really matters in life is going to require some boldness, right? Anything that really is important is going to require some boldness. If you're going to, you're going to have children, uh, note to self, this is going to require some boldness, right? <laughs> right? Boldness. Uh, if you're going, to, you're going to have a relationship, boldness. If you're going to confront some problems, boldness. If you're going to lead an organization, it requires boldness. And uh, listen, if you're going to really walk with God, it's going to require some boldness. And what we see in Acts chapter 4, really this whole chapter is about boldness. In fact, let me just kind of show it to you. Just look at it. Acts 4, if you just run your finger down to verse 13, it says, They observed the boldness of Peter and John. See that? Uh, Run your finger down to verse 29. It said, Speak your word with all boldness. Look at verse 31, speak the word of God boldly. Really, all the way through this chapter, it's about boldness. 
Now, we're going to learn what, what that looks like, how that applies to our life. But before we kind of dive into that, let me just back up, and let, this is a good time for a definition. When we talk about boldness, what do we exactly mean by that? And so let me put a definition up on the screen. Check it out. Let's just read this out loud together, all right, loud enough for the person next to you to hear you. A boldness, to speak with confidence or conviction, to be open or frank unreserved, especially in the face of hostility. All right, that's really what we're talking about with boldness. To be open, frank, uh, even in the face of hostility. Now, now get this, boldness, when I'm talking about boldness here, uh, it's not uh, just being crass, but it is about conviction. Boldness is not uh, being tactless, but it is about being fearless. Boldness is not about being offensive, but it is about being persuasive. And what we're going to see is that all the way through the book of Acts, and especially in this chapter, the early church was noted for their boldness. They, they were known for being bold with the gospel. You see it all the way through the book of Acts. In fact, it's interesting, the very last verse of the book of Acts speaks about boldness. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison in Rome, and it says there, he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. I just love that. From beginning to end, it's all about the boldness of God uh, being shown through these people, okay? That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me, for us to be bold. In fact, one of my a favorite verses in the Old Testament is Proverbs 28. It says, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, we live in a culture that's afraid a lot. Man, we're afraid of the next catastrophe. We're afraid of, of being canceled. We're afraid of not being popular. We're afraid of uh, all kinds of things. Of just constantly wringing of our hands and what's going to happen next. And he said, hey, that's how everybody else lives. But the righteous are bold as a lion. I love that. Bold as a lion. Are you bold like that? God wants you to be. God wants us to be. So what does it mean to be bold uh, for Jesus? Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts right out of this warning. I had to cut the last point completely out last service. Preacher went way too long. All right, so just, just pray for me and listen quickly. All right, here we go. Uh, point number one, jot this down. Boldness is blessed by God. Boldness is blessed by God. Look at Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. Amen. And while they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed, underline that word, they were annoyed, but they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> so they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now, just if you back up to chapter 3, you find out what's really happening here. Peter and John, these early disciples, apostles, leaders, are at the temple. They're coming for the evening prayer. And uh, they walk by an area called the Gate Beautiful. If you've ever been to Israel, you know there are multiple gates. Every gate's got a name. This name of this gate is beautiful. Uh, some people even point to a, a, a spot today that says this is where this event happened. And, uh, 
And this man is, is crippled from birth. He, he's 40 years old. We learn later on in, in the passage. He's been sitting there his whole life. Everybody knows Charlie. Charlie's been, uh, been begging for years. Everybody gives Charlie some money. Uh, this is how it works. They've known him. They know him by name. Actually, I made up the Charlie part. You're like, is that in the Bible somewhere? All right, just made that up. Anyway, um, and so they, this man you know, gives alms to the poor, and, and Peter and John looked at him and he said, listen, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And then this guy just stands up. It is a full-blown, bona fide miracle, and, uh, and it gets everybody's attention. And the crowd gathers because this man is celebrating, he's dancing, he's celebrating, he's jumping. God has healed him. It's, it's, it's beyond words how amazing it is. And uh, people gather together, and, and Peter begins to preach in the name of Jesus. Uh, good, good uh, lesson for that is never miss an opportunity to preach, right? And that's, uh, that's what happened. He didn't miss that opportunity, and he started to preach about Jesus. And that's when we get to chapter 4. That's when, bum, 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 you know, the bad guys show up. All right. Everybody's celebrating. This is a good thing. Everybody's high-fiving. You know, Charlie is, is, is healed, and the name of Jesus is being proclaimed, and then the brass show up, and uh, they're not very happy uh, with that. It says they were the priests, the, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees. Now, just a little side note, the Sadducees were one of the ruling religious groups in Judaism, there were Pharisees and Sadducees. There were some other groups, but those were the two predominant ones. The Sadducees uh, did not believe in, um, well, they were, they were fairly uh, liberal theologically. They did not hold to any of the Old Testament outside of the first five books, the Torah. Uh, they did not believe in angels. They did not believe in healings. They did not believe in the spirit world. They did not believe in the resurrection, all right? Just think about that. No, no, no afterlife, no uh, miracles. Uh, they, they were very sad, you see. <laughs> Come on, work with me, people. Work with me here. They were very sad, you see. Anyway, that's what the Sadducees were. All right, so they, they show up and they're annoyed. Uh, look at what it says here. Um, they were, verse 2, they were very annoyed. Uh, NIV says they were greatly disturbed. I guess we could say hacked off. Um, irritated, angry. Why are they so angry? Because they were teaching about the resurrection. Now, I'm sure they were teaching about the resurrection of Jesus, right? His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the heart of the gospel. So they were teaching about the resurrection of Jesus. By the way, it's interesting to, to remember the fact that in, in the book of Acts, you never see the religious leaders denying the resurrection. You just see them wanting to stop talking about the resurrection. They knew there was an empty tomb. They knew that something had happened. Uh, but they, they just wanted it silenced. So they're talking about the resurrection of Jesus and also the fact that those who place their faith in Jesus will be raised because of the resurrection of Jesus. And it just annoyed them. It irritated them. They didn't believe in that. Uh, they wanted that silenced. Um, and so they hauled them off to jail. It was in the evening. They didn't have time to convene. They'll just put him in custody until the next morning. Now, I'm sure at this point, there might have been somebody in the early church stand up and say, you know what, guys, this, this whole thing is getting a little crazy, right? Our, our, our leaders are getting thrown in jail. This is not a good look for us. From a PR standpoint, this is not good. We need to just kind of, we need to be a little bit more uh, winsome, you know, a little bit more, you know, upbeat, you know. We need to tell a few more stories and uh, do some motivational talks, and that will help, you know. And then if we just kind of are cool, then people will see that we're cool, and they'll want to be cool, so they'll love Jesus. 
Jesus, all right? That's just, that's, that's how we need to be. Uh, but that's not how it was, right? They were just bold about the gospel. And because they were bold about the gospel, uh, was that helpful? Was that working exactly? Uh, well, look at verse 4. It says there were now about a number of uh, men that came to about 5,000, right? Just counting the men. So it could have been 10,000 or 15,000, maybe more. That The movement was swelling not because they were accommodating to the culture, but because they were bold about the gospel. They were bold about the gospel. Listen, movements don't start with the timid. Movements start with the bold. Movements don't continue with the timid. Movements continue with the bold. I was talking with a guy just this week about uh, uh, just kind of contemporary preaching and, and the pressure it is to, you know, tr- try to gather a crowd. You want to be sure you got enough followers on uh, TikTok and Instagram and you got to make sure your reels are trending. And so you, you got to be sure you're, you're, you're doing things that people like. And uh, he said, you know, sometimes that goes against the grain of just the boldness of the gospel. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, that young preacher in 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? That means when it's cool and when it's not. When it's popular and when it's not. When it's applauded and when it's not. You just preach the gospel. You just open your Bible and say what it says. That, that's what it means to be bold. And this is what they're doing here. They were preaching the word. Verse 4 says that they heard the message, that people heard the message. That word message literally is translated logos, the word. They heard the word. They heard the word of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and God blessed it. God brought many people to faith in Jesus. Um, listen. I have a friend of mine that uh, really helped illustrate this for me. He, over the last couple of weeks... This man goes to our church. His name is Jay. Uh, Jay decided to do something he wanted to do for a long time, and that is walk across Bangladesh. While you were thinking, should I walk across the block or walk around the block? He was walking across Bangladesh, all right? And, uh, and he'd always wanted to do that. Been there multiple times. Wanted to prayer walk Bangladesh. So we met with a group of guys, and they, from Lily, uh, uh, sorry to say coast to coast, but that's not really it, just from border to border, uh, he walked across the diameter of the country, prayer walking. And the way that would work is that they had a local evangelist that would join them and they would, they would preach the gospel. If people uh, got saved, they would stay with them for a little bit. They would continue walking and the evangelists kind of catch up to them. And they kind of walked and preached and prayed across the country. And he was sharing with me, he just got into town about a week ago, and so we had coffee. I was like, man, tell me, tell me what it was like. You know, tell me your stories, what's happening. And so he told me several stories. One uh, evangelist's name is Shajadah, uh, of course, a, a Muslim uh, background believer who came to faith in Jesus and was an evangelist. And uh, he said, man, he was super bold with the gospel. Man, he would just stand up and preach about Jesus on the street corner. But he said there was a one occasion when Shajadah was preaching and a group of about 20 or 30 young Muslim men gathered around him. And they were like, you need to be quiet. No, don't talk. Don't say that name anymore. Don't talk about Jesus. And he was preaching boldly about Jesus. And they, they assaulted him. They physically beat him. Uh, he, was, he escaped with his life 
Jay was there seeing all this take place, but uh, the next day, he said, Shah Jadab began to preach again the message of Jesus. Nine people came to faith in Christ the very next day. In fact, here's a picture of Shah Jadab. Here he is uh, speaking to a farmer on your left. Here he is leading a Hindu priest to Jesus Christ. They caught this picture. And the Hindu priest said, I, from now on, am going to tell people about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? What courage that takes. Or what about another evangelist they met named Monzu? Monzu, uh, by his own admission, uh, hated Christians. In fact, there was a pharmacist in his village that was a Christian who was holding a Bible study, and he said, just made him so angry. So he, he waited till he knew the time when they were going to have this Bible study, and uh, he, he confronted them, and he said, he told this, the pharmacist, he said, listen, you stop teaching about Jesus or I will kill you. And his pharmacist looked at him and he said, listen, I belong to Jesus. I cannot stop talking about Jesus. And then he shared the gospel with him. And in that moment, he was like, why is this guy not afraid of me? And in that moment, he was convicted of his sin. He came to faith in Jesus. I mean, that's, that's pretty bold, right? When you say, I'm going to kill you, you say, you need Jesus. And the guy gets saved. Would you agree that's pretty bold? I mean, he's like, that's what happened. And as a result of that, uh, this man, Monsu, has now led thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you say, well, Craig, you know, you're talking about boldness. I'm talking about that's happening right now. That's happening today. These are, these are stories from last week, all right? And God is moving in that country. And sometimes I wonder, why is God not moving in our country? Could it be that there is no boldness of the believers to be willing to say the name of Jesus and to speak boldly the gospel? Movements are not ignited by the timid. They're ignited by the bold. And here they are. Uh, preaching the name of Jesus. Listen, God may not call you to walk across Bangladesh. I get that. But he may be uh, calling you to walk across the street. He may be calling you to walk across uh, the hallway at work and to talk to a person about Christ. He may be asking you to be more open and bold with your faith. Boldness. Boldness is blessed by God. God blessed their boldness, seeing more and more people come to faith in Jesus. Boldness is blessed. And the same God who blessed boldness then is the same God who will bless boldness today even in your own life. Second point, jot this down. Uh, boldness comes from God. Not only is boldness blessed by God, but boldness comes from God. Look at verse 5. On the next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. And after they had Peter and John stand before them. They began to question them, by what power or in what name have you done this? All right, so they bring them in the next morning. They stand them in front. This, who is there? Uh, well, Annas is there. You might make a note of that. Annas was uh, the, really the, the, the kingpin of the group. Annas used to be the high priest. He was deposed by the Romans, but he still had tremendous authority. Annas ran the whole Temple Mount operation. So I like to think of Annas as the godfather. He probably talks like this. Bring him in here. Put him right there. Wah, 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 wah. Anyway, anyway, you get, you get the point. 
Then there was Caiaphas. Caiaphas was his son-in-law that was now the ruling high priest. He, had the, he actually had the spot, the, the, the position. And then he lists off some others of the royal family and the Sanhedrin. I just want to remind you, these are the men that Jesus stood before only about a little over a month earlier, and they sentenced him to death. So this is very intimidating. Very intimidating. And they're like, who gives you the right? Well, on what authority? Well, what name do you have uh, to speak these things? And I, I just love what Peter says here. Look at verse 8. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Underline that. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed... Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and who God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is, now you notice it's indented there because he's going to quote from the Old Testament, Psalm 118. He is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the capstone, key verse, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Can, can anybody here say, wow? Okay, let's all say it. One, two, three. Wow. wow. This, is like, this is like incredibly bold. This is like a times 10 boldness, right? I mean, here he is standing for, well, what authority do you have? And he's like, okay, you're really seriously upset with us because a crippled man is healed? You're, I, we're being called in here because we did a good thing to a disabled man. He said, that, that's the problem here. But if you really want to know the name, the authority that we have to do this, let me just tell you, make sure it's really clear. Not only you, but I want everyone to listen to me. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the way, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, and he is a capstone that the Old Testament talks about. Now, you've got to understand, when they would build a house, right, they would lay the, the cornerstone. Or, and the cornerstone was a foundation, the, the, the key piece upon which the foundation was built. And, and here in the Old Testament, it's talking about uh, the, the cornerstone meaning the Messiah, the Christ that is to come. And he said, this Christ is going to be rejected by the builders, by the religious leaders. And he said, this is actually happening now. You know, he's quoting Bible to the Bible scholars right? He's quoting the scripture to the people that know and teach the scripture. Like, you guys know this. You're the builders who have rejected Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the cornerstone. And then he gets to verse 12. And by the way, every Bible in this room needs to have underlined, starred, and highlighted verse 12. Okay? There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. You know, that's a really controversial statement, isn't it? It certainly was then. No other name but Jesus, can you be saved? You know what? It's a controversial statement today. Uh, just try that at work uh, tomorrow, like in the, in, the, in the break room. You have to know Jesus to be saved. And see what happens. It's controversial. 
No other name. You know, I, I have people say, Craig, you know, that's so narrow. See, this is what I've got against Christians, man. That's why I'm so upset about Christians because that's so narrow. It's just only Jesus. And you, what about all these other believers? What about all these other religions? What about all, the, all these tribal groups? And, and it's just got to be about you. You're so narrow. And, you know, my response to that is, yes, very narrow. Very narrow. In fact, Jesus said, enter in at the narrow gate. For broad is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction and many go to it. But narrow is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. You know why it's so narrow? It's narrow because only Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. Nobody else has done that. Only Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Nobody else has done that. And only Jesus Christ is the one to whom you will give an account for your life. Only Jesus offers you forgiveness. Only Jesus offers you restoration to God. Only Jesus can forgive your sin. That's why it's so narrow. It's only Jesus. And here he is uh, giving such boldness. This kind of boldness only comes from God. It comes from God. Notice it said he was filled with the Spirit and he spoke this boldness. Jesus said this would happen this way. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 19, he said, but when they, had handed, when they hand you over, don't worry about how uh, or what you were to speak, for you will be given what to say in that hour because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. Isn't that great? I mean, to me, the pressure's off. I just, I just bold to open up my mouth because God's going to give you the words to speak in the moment. The Spirit of God is going to speak through you. You don't have to have all the answers figured out. You just have to boldly speak about Jesus and, and what you know of him. And the Spirit of God will speak through you. I remember uh, Pastor Israel. Many of you know Pastor Israel. He's one of our church planters in Israel. And he was telling a story about when he was in South Africa that he actually got saved in South Africa, heard the gospel over the course of many years, examining the scriptures, finally came to faith in Jesus, was a part of a church in South Africa and growing in his faith, being discipled there. And uh, there was a rally in his town called Jews for Judaism. Now you got to understand there's a, there's a Christian organization called Jews for Jesus and they would have rallies and they would share how Jesus is the Old Testament Messiah and they would show evidence of that and win uh, Jewish people to Christ. And so there was a counter initiative from Jews for Jesus called Jews for Judaism, all right? And they would have their rally saying, don't listen to those Christians, all right, so there was a Jews for Judaism rally happening in this town that he was at. And so the guys, some of the guys were going. And he, he said, yeah, I'd like to go. So he's sitting in this room. Now picture it. It's packed full of uh, Orthodox Jewish men. So, the, you know, the black hats and jackets and everything. Everybody packed in there. Uh, Pastor Israel is there. And there's a man on the platform. This guy uh, was a Jewish man from New York. And he's speaking to this crowd. And he's he's really talking and saying, don't listen to the Christians. That's basically what he was saying. And after his talk, he gave opportunity for Q&A. And a man stood up and he said, I have a question about Jesus. Now, this man was a believer and this man uh, was not a Jewish man. So the, the speaker stopped him. He said, wait, before you say anything else, you need to ask me your question in Hebrew. Well, the man didn't know Hebrew. And so while the man is standing, the speaker speaking in Hebrew starts talking to the crowd, berating this guy. Look at these people. They don't even know our language, and they're trying to tell us about our Old Testament. They're trying to tell us about the Messiah. They don't even know our language. 
and, he, and everybody's laughing and making fun of this guy. He's just standing there. He doesn't know what's being said about him. But Israel, Pastor Israel knew what was being said. And he said, he goes, Craig, I don't know what came over me. We know who came over him, right? The Holy Spirit just surged him. And he said, I stood up and I addressed the man on the platform. And he said, and he starts speaking to him in Hebrew. And he said, listen, I am speaking to you in Hebrew. He said, you're not even from Israel. You're from New York. I'm from Israel. I'm from the Galilee. I'm speaking to you, not only Hebrew, but in my own dialect. You can't even speak that. And he said, I'm telling you that what this man says about Jesus is true. Okay, can anybody say that was pretty bold? Yeah, that's level 10 boldness. Level 10 boldness. But get this, the same Holy Spirit that surged in the heart of Pastor Israel, that surged in the heart of Peter, wants to surge in your heart and wants to empower you. God will speak through you. If you will, where, where do we get this kind of boldness from? Is it just me trying to stir it up? I'm going to try to be courageous now? No, it it's, comes from God. It's blessed by God, but it comes from God, from the empowering of the Holy Spirit to speak the truth boldly. Listen, you may not have to take a stand in front of a, a large group of people like that, but you may have to take a stand at work. You may have to take a stand at school. You may have to take a stand and lose a client. You may have to take a stand and not get that promotion. You may have to take a stand and not be popular. You may have to take a stand and break up with that person or uh, stop dating you know, this, that, that person because that, you know, they're, they're not encouraging you spiritually. You may have to take a stand in some areas of your life, but, but the Spirit of God will give you boldness to put Jesus first if you ask him and if you trust him in it. Well, notice, notice how they responded. Look at verse 13. It says, and when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed, underline the word amazed, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. I mean, here they are. They're, what is their response? Huh, what is happening? They're just shocked that this man would speak to them in such a way. They were amazed, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean they've been hanging out with Jesus. It just means that they're like, we've heard somebody talk like this before, right? We've confronted somebody like this before. Who was it exactly? Oh, yeah, it was Jesus. They're just like him. You know what? Uh, when you walk with Jesus, people will take notice. When you walk as he walked, Think what he thinks, feel as he feels, uh, bold as he is bold. It will be noticeable by the people around you. They noticed, they were amazed that he had been with Jesus. And then check this out. Uh, they saw something, look at verse 14. And they saw, since they saw, underline that, the man who had been healed standing before them and they had nothing to say in opposition. In other words, we can't really argue with the guy because the dude that was uh, crippled is standing there. I mean, how can we deny the fact that this miracle happened? We can't deny it. Listen, here, here's the thing I want you to get. Uh, the, the, the evidence of a changed life is powerful. You understand that? You say, man, let me tell you what I was like before Christ. Now let me tell you what my life is like now. That is a powerful tool in, in sharing the gospel. 
this man was transformed by the name of Jesus. And listen, uh, let me ask you just a little testimony time. All right, we can't all share our testimony today, but we can all uh, do it a little bit. Hands up if Jesus Christ has changed your life. Just raise up your hand as a testimony. All right, just look, hold them up for a little bit. Just kind of look around. Just look around. Look at all these people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. All right, put your hand down. They said, we, we can't argue with that. They saw the changed life. They were amazed at their boldness. And then look at this last thing. They ordered them to stop. Look at verse 15. And after uh, they ordered, underline that, them to leave the Sanhedrin, they uh, conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, uh, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. Verse 17, but, if, but so that this does not spread any further among the people, let us threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Get that? That They say, well, okay, we're just going to intimidate you and order you not to speak again in the name of Jesus. Here's the deal. I, I kind of think about like, it's like a referees, they got a, game, a controversial call, so they all huddle up. Okay, what are we gonna do? All right. We can't tell them uh, that this didn't happen because we see the crippled guy, he's right there. Yeah, he's still there. And uh, what are we gonna, gonna say? The people are outside or praising God. What are we gonna do? They're gonna be upset with us. I know, let's just, this is be really hard on them and tell them not to say this anymore. Yeah, it's a good idea. Be sure your voice is stern. Okay, yeah, okay, ready to break. All right, here's the deal, guys. Don't you ever talk about Jesus again. We're ordering you not to do that. End of story. Period. Done. And they're expecting Peter to go, okay. And then Peter talks again, which they did not expect. A rebuttal. Look at verse 19. And Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide you guys are the scholars. Should we obey you or God? I'll let y'all handle that discussion. Just the boldness of Peter. But give verse 20. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after threatening them further, they released them and they found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done for this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. What boldness, Right? We can't stop speaking. I can't just turn it off. I can't not see what I have seen. I can't not have experienced what I've experienced. And I cannot stop telling you that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the kind of boldness that God wants from you and from me. Just think what it'd be like if every one of us were bold in our faith, bold where we live. As we scatter from this place, bold witness of changed life of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Craig, I'd like to be that, but I'm just, I don't know really how to do it. Let me, I'm already out of time, so let me just kind of give you a couple of quick, simple application things. You say, how do I get boldness? Number one, pray. If you continue reading the passage, which I don't have time to do, they prayed, and in their prayer, God filled them with boldness, all right? So you can pray. God, give me boldness. Lord, help me to be more courageous and bold and, and to share and talk openly about you with the people around me. Ask, I, I guarantee you, if you pray that for 10 days straight, God's gonna start filling you with with boldness. Secondly, 
You need to look for opportunities to be bold. Maybe already in your mind, there's some conversations you need to have with somebody and you've been kind of moving around the, the conversation about Jesus and you need to just call them up and say, hey, can we grab lunch this week? I just want to talk to you about uh, what Jesus has done in my life and say the name of Jesus and talk about how Jesus has changed you. Look for opportunities to be bold. And then thirdly, just do it. <laughs> just be bold. Just trust God that he's sovereign. Trust him that he will give you the, the words in the moment. Trust him that he will speak through you to that person. If you will simply open up your mouth and say, I cannot be quiet from what I have seen and what I have heard. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? We're out of time, but let me just say this. Now listen to me very carefully. The most, let me, let, me, let me say it this way. Real boldness begins in admitting your need for Jesus. It takes boldness to admit, I know I've sinned against God. I know that I am not right with God. That takes courage, that takes boldness. And that's the first step to being right with God. The Bible says that we are created in the image of God, that God created you to know him and love him in a deep and personal way, but we have sinned against God. We have gone our own way. We have lost our way. And Jesus Christ came to die in your place to pay the penalty for your sin on the cross. That's how much he loves you. And on the cross, he took all your sin and he paid for it in full. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And listen, even now, those who call on his name will be saved. That right now you can know for sure that when you die, you'll be in, a, in heaven with him. You can know for sure that you're right with God. You can know for sure that your sin is, is forgiven. You can know for sure that your offenses are canceled. That your record is expunged. And that all is in the name of Jesus. So maybe today you need to receive Christ. Maybe right now you know that you need Jesus Christ in your life that there's something resonating within you that's true about this and that you know that you need Jesus Christ, then my friends, take that bold step. You say, how do I do that? Just pray with me, just right where you're seated. Just pray, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way, but I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead and I'm asking you now, please forgive me Wash me clean. Make me new. I place my trust and faith in you today. Thank you for forgiving me. Now let me pray for all of us today. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you how, how true it is, how current it is, how much we need your word. Thank you, God, for speaking to us and challenging us today to be bold. And I pray for every one of us that we would be bold in our conversations that we would in love and in, in compassion and with gentleness to speak of what Jesus has done in our life. Lord, even now you're bringing people in mind that we need to have that conversation with. God, I pray that you would give us the courage and boldness to do it, trusting that you will speak through us to their heart as we talk about what we have seen and heard in Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we leave, Lord, use us this week. Use us this week for your glory. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said,